Today on Parent Time, we talk all things podcasts as we chat to Laura, Mim and Michael, otherwise known as The Beanies. My next guests are, well, my next guests are The Beanies. I'm not entirely sure what to say about them. Their work ethic is flawless. Their determination and their commitment has already become legendary in the children's music scene. And their incredibly generous and inclusive demeanours have quickly propelled them way deeper into the hearts of the Australian children than perhaps anyone could have calculated. So maybe... Maybe I do know what to say about them, and perhaps maybe I have just said it. Uh, listeners, I give you Laura, Mim, and Michael, otherwise known as the Beanies. Oh, that intro uh, did not disappoint. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Is that a tear in your eye there, Michael? <laughs> um, Thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much or tonight. Actually, no, thank you, me joining you. This is yeah. your house. Um, <laughs> BDHQ. Now, before I get too much into the past and the beginning, I just want to start. You obviously are very focused people and I suspect there's probably a very clear goal or objective with a lot of the paths that you're on. Winning Best Family Podcast, does something like that – does it fit in with the plan or did that just come out of nowhere? Oh, that was so out of nowhere. <laughs> that was very out of nowhere. Very it definitely of... wasn't in the plan. The podcast started off as a plan to get children listening to our music. So we saw a bit of a gap in the market and we thought we could fill this and use it to our own advantage of creating the beanies and helping people to listen more. And then I don't even, we didn't even know there were awards for the podcast (laughs) until we won it. (laughs) And And now everyone knows. And And now they're the most important award ever. (laughs) Absolutely. But even saying that on the night, we definitely did not think we were even in the running. We were like, Mm. we'll go to Melbourne. It'll be such a fun trip. And like, (laughs) we were so unprepared, so unprepared. Mm. Um, but I think maybe that was the, the magic of it, that we went off up there just being like, what? Yeah, probably one of the funniest sequences of photos that I've ever seen <laughs> is just the journey of our faces as we walk from, you know, the seats to up to the top and up on the stage and realising that we hadn't really talked about what to say. No. And, well, uh, I tried to get us to talk about it. Before but it, we took the Uber there, I said, <laughs> we're not going to win. But, but if we win, what are we going to say? And Laura and Michael said, shut up, Mim. <laughs> and we got in the car. <laughs> Maybe we did have one too many glasses of champagne beforehand, but it was, a, it was a very, very special night. Good. You're right. So really, it really truly was not, not that you can plan for an award like that, but you have, you have benchmarks that you sort of look to aim for, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and this, you just, this was really... Totally. And I think we've talked about that too, that that was probably a very big validating moment mm. for us because we... You know, podcast is such a, not a throw together thing, but you can do it anywhere at any time. Mm. And so sometimes you do have a bit of that imposter syndrome. Mm. And because we're all theatre performers, we're so used to having that immediate response from audiences. You know how many people have watched your show because you saw them. You know Mm. how many people enjoyed it because they applauded. Mm. But with podcasts, like we're just about to tick over 250,000 downloads and you can't even like start to fathom how many Mm. like Mm. people that Mm. is. And then, so you just, you've got this imposter syndrome of like, oh, we just like make jokes and be silly and and make a podcast. And then someone gives you like an accolade for it. And you're like, oh, maybe this is a a real thing. I think also too, like particularly when you're looking at the music side of stuff, there's a a kind of a path you go through with music where you sort of, you know, you you 
write the songs, then you got to get them recorded, and then you try to get them released through someone, then you try to get the advertising out there. Whereas I think podcast is an incredible. It's just this melee of people chucking stuff out there. Mm. And there's so much, so much content. Mm. It's just crazy to rise to the top. Anyway, but you did, and you won, and uh, you know. Hey. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that explains that. So obviously you're all individual entertainers in your own right is my understanding. You're mm-hmm. all actors or you're singers and things like that. So how did this all happen? Well, <laughs> I think it started with me a little bit. So I was auditioning for quite a few children's groups. I remember I got quite close for Splashdance and the recast of High Five and things like that. I kept getting very close and then not getting cast. And I call Laura devastated because I felt like my little dream was snatched away from me every time. Mm. And then Laura said, why don't we just make our own? And I was like, oh, yeah, ha, ha, ha. And then we decided to. Yeah. It was like Christmas. It was. It, we, I was just about to move from Canberra to Sydney. Yeah. So we, we're, Mim and I are both from Canberra. Um, and we've been friends for a long time and we were, I was moving up to Sydney. Mm. I was moving for my partner's football career and I had just no idea what I was going to do in Sydney, just none. <laughs> and so Mim was like, oh, I keep not getting cast. I was like, well, here's a project we can do and that'll yeah. give me a bit of direction. And mm. and then... Um, then we decided that we needed a boy for diversity. And also to balance Mim and I out. <laughs> Very <laughs> a little bit relax, relax us a little bit. We need someone a bit chill. And yeah. so... And I'm a boy. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> no, Michael so and you I like, just like other. delivered pizza or something that yeah. one night. And yeah. Yeah. What are you doing after this? Oh. Uh, play some songs, I guess. <laughs> what do you think about suspenders? You're in. Yeah. Yeah. No, we very carefully selected Michael. <laughs> we ordered Michael lots Beanie. of pizza. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Michael and I toured a children's play together yep. with a company called Brainstorm. Yep. And we weren't in the same play, but the actors would often meet up all together and get to know each other. And I remember at the first meetup of our year, Michael and I didn't really talk to anyone else except each other. And mm. we were like, you're funny. And, and then... This is great. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of our street is a meat house, the meanest house that you ever did see. It stares at me as I go by. There's something inside watching me. But Usually you find people doing children con- children's content are quite passionate about it. And you obviously were doing children's content already. But it sa- seems like it was quite important to you, Mim. Like you've been trying for a yeah. while to get in there. Why was it so important to you? Because it's not a particularly lucrative, nor is it... Um, I don't know if sexy is the word I can use. <laughs> Most people that can sing and dance and cool. act don't necessarily beeline it towards kids' content. It's a really it's a really hard question to answer because it's it's kind of like asking why do you why do you love something and it's really hard to explain because I've always just really loved just children's entertainment and making things mm. making silly things doing things with kids mm. and yeah even now I can't I can't answer that because it's just something I've always wanted to do and always loved doing mm. was it the same for you Michael like you were doing kids theatre yeah so. Uh, I performed with Brainstorm and other companies that are similar to that, so performing to young children, and they've always been educational performances. But I guess, you know, I go through stages of realising that I was surrounded by something that I love doing. Mm. And so I've always been, you know, doing performances for kids. I was doing, like, after-school care and doing silly things with them and helping out at, uh, like preschools and primary schools and things like that. Yeah. 
and realizing that, you know, I've for my whole life I've always been watching cartoons and silly things and those sort of every my whole kind of humor base is very silly and yeah. free and child, kind of childlike. Yeah. I, I get yeah. So and yeah, then you I see the value in play. You see the value in not being mm. so Playful, serious yeah. and sensitive, yeah. you know. Did it feel the same for you, Laura? Yeah, I think I, looking back on it now, everything I kind of did um, from leaving high school led me towards this. So even during high school, all my work experience was in childcare and I was always performing. Yeah. And then as soon as I was old enough for a job, I was doing kids' birthday mm. parties and things like that. But I think that's one of the things that makes us quite different at the moment is that for a self-formed group, there's not a, a lot of them that don't have children themselves. It's really just, it's not, you know, the story mm. we were talking about at our, our lovely dinner and get togethers with all the kids entertainers is that most of this, most of the time this path happens from musicians who are already musicians, having children, wanting to play music for their children and then realizing that, that that's what they're good at and that's what they enjoy doing. Whereas we kind of came together as, young adults with no children, mm. all from a different backgrounds of loving working with children and just really, really wanting to do it. Yeah. Um, which I think makes us quite unique in the space at the moment. When the clouds get dark and grey The weatherman is not my friend Because we can't go out and play But sometimes I like to pretend The look, the beanies, the look, everything, it's very, um, like it's very, uh, it feels very shaped and very formed and it feels very exact. Um, <laughs> and I get the, and, and I also get the sense with you guys, as I said in the intro, you're, you're obviously very driven and particularly the media, you're very media driven, you, you know how to, to utilise a, a platform and, and to use it. How much work went into creating who you are and the look like at what point did you go it's the beanies this is the costume this is what we look like mm. because you because mm. it has been quite a it's been quite a rise mm. and it's almost like you're there now it's going to be pretty hard if you want to try to reinvent yourself so you mm. sort of had to make sure you're pretty confident from the word go totally and we we are really careful about it. we have this little phrase hashtag branding <laughs> everything has to be on brand said all the time it's all the time we'll find something in our colors and be like great that's very hashtag branding mm. um and we are we are really careful yeah. about it and we think that's really important because kids like to see things that they recognize they if you look at us you look at the colors you look at the costumes it's always really consistent mm. for a reason because then kids can recognize yeah. us, particularly when they're not watching us every day on screens or anything like that it's all our voices that if they do see a picture of us that next picture probably has to be exactly the same for them to make that connection when they can't hear us um but we are very careful <laughs> but that feeds into things that aren't visual as well everything else that we do still does follow this idea of keeping keeping together what is us and what is beanies and that mindset can flow into everything else yeah. as well yeah, but the the branding was super deliberate at the start as well. I remember even picking the name. We picked it off the, our first song that we wrote, which was It's Raining Jelly Beans. We were originally called the Jelly Beans 
and then we ended up you don't want to talk about this oh no no we can't <laughs> um, and then we ended up changing the name because it turned out it was trademarked so we learned yeah, a lot I was about say, that there is a as in Ooh. the actual Jelly Bean company or there was yeah, another? Yeah, the Jelly Beans music was trademarked, but we'd already made the beans. <laughs> and we'd already fallen in love with those three colours. Yeah. Um, so that's how we changed the name to the Beanies. Yeah. And then, yeah, I made the logo and things like that. And then we just kind of stuck with those three colours and the white from then on. Mm. It's kind of weird though, because I wouldn't even, I don't even see the Beanies and don't immediately associate it with Jelly Beans anyway. So it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It and matter. we came up with lots of different, when we realised what we'd done, we came up with lots of different things. We had like the dream beans and we had all sorts mm. of things. Um, but in in hindsight, I like the beanies I do much too. better. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We were really devastated to begin with when we found out, but we yeah. figured it out. But I think it's better now. Two bunny ears. Stand up tall. Loop them together. And watch them fall. Originally, the podcast first season came out through Mamma Mia, Mama Mia. Mm. and then you moved over to Kindling. Mm-hmm. And I get the sense that that was kind of when the numbers rose. Or uh, we had a lot of listens at yeah, Mamma Mia. We did. I think we. I think it was almost like seventy-five, eighty thousand listens at Mamma Mia, and that was in the first four or five months. What? Mm. Um, but the thing, the thing with that was, is that we had incredible reach at, at Mamma Mia. Like they have 1.2 million people follow them on Facebook. And is this, I mean, how much of it were you doing personal promoting? Like, or is this just through their network? Not much. And through that one as well, we didn't really do publicity either. We just put it out yeah, with Mamma Mia. Pieces, but not um, as much as we did season two. Yeah. yeah. And then Mamma Mia has an incredible reach, but we felt like it wasn't a targeted reach. We weren't reaching all parents with the specific yep. age children that we wanted. We were hitting a lot of just women, random women, young women who maybe don't have kids. And the move to Kindling was more about being targeted mm. and being with a brand who were child-focused as well so we could um, learn from their expertise as well. Mm. Have we? I think we've definitely seen that the, the quality of our audience has risen as soon as we went to Kindling. You know, mm. our interaction with our audience has gone up a lot more as in you mean people coming to the shows and things like that or people just people sending, responding to you and yeah just the response people sending us stuff people and us interacting with um our audience as well really has picked up a lot lately mm. and i feel like kin that that mm. channeling really helped with that what's it like getting a piece of fan mail Oh my god! It's the most magical thing in the world. We got some in the in actual mail I mean, the other I day. I get heaps. <laughs> I mean, I know but, what it's like, but, but I want to hear what you 45 think. Forty-five-year-old man with two kids. I'm pretty chill about it because you know, <laughs> I've seen stuff. But how do you guys cope with it? We're so excited. About We're it. so excited. Yeah. Like when we. Right back. Even when people, when kids send us videos and we oh. were like, and we're like, oh my God, that makes us so happy. We are actually having little dance parties at yeah. home that kids are listening and we immediately send it to each other and be like, did you see this? Did you see this? And then we all show it to each other again and again. As well. <laughs> yeah, it's an incredible thing because I think the other thing too, um, being a parent, you kind of know what goes into that being sent. Totally. Because if you're a teenager and you love someone, you can be on the couch and go, oh, I said, dude, I love you, and you send it. You know, a kid <laughs> is nagging incessantly until the parent goes, fine, and does it. And, totally. Um, and that's, that's great for yeah. you and the child. 
Not for the parent. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... Just talking about the podcast, we'll get onto that at the moment. Before we go anything, this isn't a question, it's just a just a statement. One thing I love about your podcast is there's always these little moments in every story where it's almost like the three of you or, 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 a, or a collection of characters in the story kind of all talk and sort of murmur over each other and say different things and stuff. Brilliant. Love it. <laughs> love it. And I listen to them very carefully and hear what everyone's saying and, and they just hear all these little... They're great. Anyway, podcast. Oh, keep it coming. Keep those little comments coming. That's great. Oh, Danny. No. No, no, you're right. That's all right, Danny. You're good. good. It's your socks, mate. It's all right. No, you're right, mate. So what's the process for an episode from you? Like, let's just start, let's start with the writing. So, um, mm. because I know I've, I've heard, I think you've mentioned to me before that it is a little bit individual. You don't all sit down as a group, but let's just the podcast, not the songs. Let's go from writing to the recording of them. Well, we, we do have to write an album first mm-hmm. because each podcast is based off one of our songs. Yep. So that's why it takes us a while to put them together. So... We write a full album first and yep. uh, we work with a fella, James Corner. So did you say this is why it takes you so long to put it together? Have yeah. You just, have you done three albums and three seasons in like the last 18 months? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we live and breathe this. Do you this. work full like time? time? Do you have jobs and yeah. stuff? Yeah, we yeah. do. We yeah. just, we guys. live in each other's pockets. Because <laughs> I, I mean, the, having gone through this, the first thing that immediately leapt out to me is how lazy you all are. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad you're acknowledging that as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so yeah, go, go to the yeah. writing. So, so we, we write our songs in each podcast has is based off one of the songs so after we finish the songs uh we brainstorm ideas about first of all we got to break it down what we stick to is we have to have a little narrative in there um fit the song in and in the latest series we have uh what do we end up calling it like a brain beanie's brain break we didn't end up naming it we just had the music to make it feel different we call it a brain break yeah yeah um it's and it's just like in our podcast it's about 30 seconds of slowing down and uh, a lesson, and that's where Professor Know It All comes in. So, and that's all based off the songs, mm. and that's our structure. We just kind of stick to mm. that, and mm. we think about how, um, what we can do based off the song, story-wise, mm. and. Um, but Michael's got this really good kind of device for helping us brainstorm ideas for things. Yeah, so it's like uh, it's a really good <laughs> way to do ideas if you're like ever, ever with a group of people. And it's all basing off writing down as many ideas as you possibly can as quickly as you can as well. And it really helps unblock Mm. ideas and it kind of helps you come up with silly stuff as well and just fire out ideas because you're just aiming to get it out of your head. Now, are you talking about the themes for the potential songs? Because the one thing I've got is even through all three seasons, there's themes are just... Episode by episode. And, that, mm. and there was nothing, like, I think, this, you know, I started at season one and got to the second one. It was about bullying. And I was just like, Gee, what? My mm. last episode was about raining jelly beans. And now it's like yeah. Professor Noddle's telling you how to deal with bullies and that they just don't, they're not happy. I was just like, okay. Because mm. um, there isn't, there, there seems to be no regularity with that, the themes. Like, I mean, he's, I mean, do they just come from... On a bus and go, oh, it's gum yeah. on the seat. There you go. That's <laughs> yeah. the song. Usually, usually, it's like a combination of things. Some from the last season, some of them had had been people suggesting things that mm. they would like to hear, 
And um, usually it's just if we write down these ideas and we read them out to everyone, the ideas that we end up doing immediately stick out, mm-hmm. ones that we kind of laugh at or excite us. So obviously, you know, how to deal with bullies means a lot to anyone, really. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just that it, in itself was like, okay, we've got to do that. And then um, I think in um, one, of our, one of our episodes is Jazz, jazz Shark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That was it. That was it. Like, which, that was just, and, and we're just gonna, we yeah. just. <laughs> yeah, I remember you coming up with that. We were all throwing around ideas, and Michael was like, "All right, how about a shark that sings jazz?" And he just like cruises around singing jazz. Singing jazz. <laughs> and Laura and I were like, "Love it." Yeah. <laughs> Listen up, people. What's that sound? Can you hear the music that's floating around? Raise your hand like a fin, swim around in the dark. Now you're swimming like Louie, the jazz shark. So we've always had this idea, particularly during brainstorming, and I think this is what's driven all of our ideas, is that we never ask why. Never, why Why is there a shark that sings jazz or why is there a cow that is opera? Not all of them are weird singing animals, but... Yeah, some to, of them are farts in jars. Some of them are farts in jars, yeah. but we yeah. always ask why it's very not. very diverse. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like the selection process is just ideas that excite us or yeah. make us laugh or I something like that. I get the sense with all of you, though, is it, it like... And again, looking at this idea that you've done three albums and series in in the space of a year and a half it's how you work your energy is quite do you know what i mean if you spend too much time laboriously thinking over something you'll be disinterested in it Mm. and it doesn't mean you don't think it's not that your ideas aren't thought through it's just you work on that energy of just perpetual motion of just moving forward moving forward that's great put it in that's great put it in is that kind of fair oh totally yeah and we're very unjudgmental of each other's ideas as well if someone comes up with something um and we don't initially love it we'll be like oh how about this but we'll never say that's that's a bad idea Mm. we'll never say that to each other yeah so listen up people what's that sound can you hear the music that's floating around? Raise your hand like a fin, swim around in the dark. Now you're swimming like Louie, the jazz shark. Looking at the format of the shows, there seems to be the beanies have a story that they have an issue and then there's this story that kind of reflects the issue or potentially uh, exacerbates the issue. I did find that often the story is the thing that really brings the, the, the problem to the fore. Um, and then you have this further conundrum once that story's done, followed by Professor Know-It-All. Now, something I noticed and I just loved deeply, deeply in this idea um, is you don't put yourself in a position of authority in any of the podcasts. You never do it. You're, you... You present the authority through characters within the story or through um, Professor Know-It-All, but it's like, it's almost like writing a song in the first person. You are going through this journey with the children and you're never telling the children that you know the answers. Mm. Is that an accident? Is that well thought This is something we've talked about recently because it's something we've only kind of not only realised. We always knew that that was how we wrote it and that was how we wanted to present it, but why we had done that we'd kind of only just really thought through of that is that fair to yeah say yeah yeah, yeah. I, I feel like our, our personalities in general just ended up that 
us as as you know the beanies ended up us being it's more... just us at a hundred percent yeah, yeah. <laughs> but more of a, a camaraderie with the children as opposed to us being teachers above them it's mm. kind of um on their level being amongst them and, and it's, a quite, it's a quite a unique <clears throat> way to i mean i think there's a, the habit of, of early childhood music or kids music um is you know we, we fall in this trap where we think we need to teach uh teach something like it's like you were saying for, before about playfulness there's an enormous amount to be learned from playfulness but i think we still fall in this habit you know there's so many counting songs and there's so many mm. this and there's so many that and, and it's great and they all have a place but I think it's quite unique to come from a place of going, I actually don't know either. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not I, I, think sure. it, I think it's also the fact that we're actors as well. And, you know, when actors go out on a stage, what you're trying to do is, is if you want the audience on your side, you need a, they need, the audience need to see a bit of them in you. So if we're acting to children, well, we've got to have mm. childlike personalities for them to go, oh, that's, that's us, you know, as opposed to, you know, a, a lot of teachers might get into performing for children they're coming from a teacher's background mm. whereas we're coming from an entertainment thing you know so we would just mm. want to go out there and throw glitter and and make Which noise yeah. and, yeah. and and play also with like yeah. allowing children to come on that learning journey with us mm. so we're learning or like the beanie versions of us are learning things in the podcast we're learning what rain is we're learning how to say evaporation mm. we're learning it with children so it doesn't feel like um that you're not smart if you don't know these things yet and that's okay. So you can really listen. Yeah, and I think there's the characters themselves, the three of you, I mean, from what I could tell, you actually share insecurities or silliness or challenges. It's never one person like Michael. You're not the buffoon that's always, oh, Michael, you know, like it's never like that. It's always, you know, everyone shares the... The, the struggle, the mm. challenge. Mm. Mm. Definitely. And I think our Beanie's characters, like Mim said, are kind of, they've ended up just being us if you turned us up to a thousand, um, which makes it easy to write because we we have these kind of character, we do have the character traits, but n- no one is like the really smart one and no one's the really dumb one mm. and no one's, mm. you know, this or that. Um, but it's it's more about, and I think our, our purpose was never really to teach. Like we teach by not coincidence, but, but like the teaching happens, but it was always about playing and mm. entertaining and being silly and having fun. And the things that we learn on the way are kind of just a consequence mm. of that, like yeah. like a child's day. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, looking at people like um, <clears throat> Professor Noel, I mean, I, you know, I look at him in particular as being the, 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 the educational part of the show, but mm. having him turn up, one thing that sort of occurred to me by the 50th episode was and and like and i should have picked up on the first one so i'm a little bit embarrassed i took 50 to work it out i see they're the beanies no um, (laughs) like having him come in it means you can just have your moral portion or your educational bit just in a in a in a bite and it Mm. frees the rest of you up to not have to be engaged in trying to resolve anything mm. because you can just be silly, be fun, go, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I know who knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a little bit like let's go to Google. Yeah. And then dude turns up and goes, well, it's this. And you go, well, thank Thanks, God that's Professor Let's go and do that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great because it, it just gives you – it frees you from obligation to have mm. any resolve for mm. you personally, you know. It just kind of allows this other – being <laughs> yeah. right. that's what he's turned into the us voice too. of god <laughs> professor know it all
Hi, Professor. Hello, beanies. What an interesting question you have for me today. And to be honest, it is a tricky one to answer. But I'll give it a try. Sometimes people are mean to each other because they are unhappy themselves. With Professor Noel, particularly with the explanations, because um, they are they are very good. The bullying explanation, I, I have to say, being also a teacher myself, mm. when when Mr. when Professor Noel turned up, I went right. This this is yeah. good. Let's let's see how you explain. Let's bullies. see what you got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's see how you talk kids through this, and it, and it really was quite amazing, and it was quite insightful and I think it was a really beautiful way to address a, a very complex thing to explain to a child who doesn't quite get what bullying is how however this is the the, the person that's providing the solutions to your shows how much scrutiny goes into the answers he gives do you run them by anyone or are you pretty confident amongst yourselves or do you find ones that you go I'm not 100% sure on this. Should we go and check it out with someone else? Mm. Or have you never thought that deeply about it? We always run everything by each other. Mm. Um, so everything's written, as Michael said, we brainstorm and put every, put all the ideas and everything together first and we always know the direction we're going and then we'll write them usually separately and then come back together. Mm. Um, and we know the tone of voice of Professor Noodles. We Generally the three of us have the same kind of moral compass and so we – we're all on the same page in terms mm. of moral issues, mm. explaining moral issues. But we'll definitely talk it through with each other if something doesn't feel yeah. right. Yeah, and the main thing we're going for with Professor Noldo is clarity, you know, and, and just yeah. keeping keeping in mind that there is a pretty – the age range and the, totally. the mental capacity varies greatly. Mm. So it's kind of like we start at level one and then he can expand on it and that's for the older kids and then he can expand yeah. a bit more. So we, we try and cover everything. It's beautiful. There's, there's, he's got, there's some explanations I generally was quite, um, I just kind of went, that's just really clever. That's really, yeah. really clever and well written and well articulated and yeah. like Some of the lessons are quite basic, like – about what a wombat is mm. and how they dig and things like that. But I think you're probably referring to the ones that are a bit more of a deeper lesson. Of course, yeah, Like yeah, the yeah. bullying ones and things like that. And often those ones have taken a little bit longer to write and they've definitely come mm. from our own experiences as children and then we we do run our podcasts and things like that by kindling mm. a lot of the time mm. and also by teachers that we know. So those ones that are a bit deeper we're definitely thinking about more like Millie the Moo Cow one comes mm. to mind about bullying and also the one about Christmas comes to mind because when we got to that one we didn't want to go to like religion heavy yeah. but and we didn't want to exclude people and so writing that lesson we really talked about a lot. Yeah, I think, I mean, and you can you can tell, but even the simpler ones, you know, like it's a hard, I mean, it is, you got to, there's finesse that I don't think everyone actually there's, there's been know? some there's been some ones that have taken so long to try and put together. There was one trying to describe space. There's another oh, yeah. one that's trying space. to describe the seasons. It's like describe the seasons. You've actually got to get yeah. kind of mathematical yeah. about yeah. it all. And that's yeah, it takes a while to try and especially because we're trying to um, season three we had to shorten our podcast. So Professor Noel didn't have as much time as is the so previous one. Just talk quicker. <laughs> so well, that's the thing but it's a clarity thing you know you, you try and get get it nice and clear so it's like it it there's effort in making it short and concise and and clear and still fun you know mm. because that's main aim is having fun yeah and and professor know-it-all is a wit 
is a witty fella. Yeah. So like, still answering the questions that kids would have. Like, yeah. they're, they're not going to ask really easy things like, um, what colour is the sky? Oh, it's blue. Yeah. Like, mm. they're going to ask, yeah. why is it blue? Yeah. And that's much well, harder to answer. How to start. Space is big. Really big. And really old. Looking up into the night sky, we see stars, which are suns just like our sun. Our universe, which is everything, is so big it would take a super quick jet fighter plane over a million years just to reach the closest star. Wow. Had you won the award before you started working on Big Day Out? Uh, so we won the award in... Winter. It was cold. May, June, yeah. I feel like we were working on things back to back. Yeah, like, we've we always worked on things back songs. to back. Yeah, I was going to say, did it, but did it inform the way you worked? Did winning it change anything? Yeah. I don't think Like, did you start the... employing other people to do it for <laughs> you? <laughs> Outsourcing. No, yeah. I don't think winning the award changed how we did it, but definitely the feedback we got from Imagination Station did. So mm. this, and this is kind of what we were talking about before, Kindling were very helpful in talking mm. us through our listen rates and the feedback they've gotten, which episodes were the most popular, um, when people stopped listening and, and things like that. Wow. So that really helped inform the next season, which did turn into kind of like a one where each episode would lead on to the next one and there was a bit of like a cliffhanger for the next episode to get people to listen. We hadn't done that before. Yeah, okay. um, and a couple of other things mm. that they suggested we change too. Which made it a lot harder. So we kind of we kind of wanted it to make it like a sitcom you know you could watch each individual episode and it would still make sense but if you watch the whole thing back to back it has some sort of story mm. arc that's really hard to do in 10 minutes with no visuals for mm. children mm. <laughs> yeah. um and like we'd written a couple of songs already because we work really quickly and we don't like to sit still for very long so we'd already written some songs that we wanted to be included mm. and so that format was a lot harder and making it shorter was a lot harder but I think listening back to it now was a a good move. All the changes that we made on the back of the kindling advice was a good move. Yeah, oh yeah. I remember getting that advice and thinking, Oh, you just, you're ruining it. You're making it harder. <laughs> you're ruining it. And then when we actually did them, I'm kind of, I can see now that they were very good changes and thanks kindling. Yeah. <laughs> Love your work. Yeah. <laughs> Just quickly before we move on to the music, because obviously it's quite a large portion of everything you do. Sneaky Robber, who does the uh, Michael impression? It was my bowl. I left it in there. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> it was my bowl. I left it in the yeah. bar. <laughs> yeah, you could have just said it was my bowl. I left it in there. I didn't mean to. That totally would have been. <laughs> it was pretty good. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that one, Michael? What? What started? Was it somebody it's sending it? They're, they're sending the video in. Earned more cool. So we we had um, <laughs> hey, these, fans from America. Yeah, we had these kids from America who listened. And I mean, again, I've got heaps. <laughs> You're being we younger. I'm just more interested France. to see how you deal with it. We once had a lady from France send us a message, and we were like, "Pardon, <laughs> in France." That was a terrible French accent. I'm sorry for, for that lovely lady that listens. Um, so these people from America sent us a message of 
their kids doing their impression of our opening. Oh, no um, way. But because so of cute. our accents, they, they said, you're with the beanies. That means you're with Laura, Mim and Michael. <laughs> <laughs> and we loved it. Oh, my, oh my God. God. We lost we it. We laughed so hard at that. And now that's it. Every time I hear it, I hear, and Michael. <laughs> yeah, I did it at Ospod the other day when I was and talking about cool. our intro. I impersonated it and said, and Michael. And then I heard this huge laugh from Laura in the audience and then remembered that no one else gets that. <laughs> and now I just look awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, well, look, let's get on to the music because that's why we're all here. Uh, well, not actually, that's why I'm here. Um, <laughs> James Court, talk to me about James Court and why does he like the flute so much? Dab, 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 swell, 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 swish, 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 twirl, twirl, twirl. This is how you paint a beautiful picture. He's a true music wizard. Every instrument other than the occasional guitar from Michael you hear on all of our tracks is played by him. He plays everything. Oh, okay, yep. He um, he mixes it. He mixes it. He's very, very good. So, yes, the music wizard and I um, grew up together in Canberra, met when we were probably like 12, 13, doing some sort of lame public school spectacular yep. thing. Um, and so I totally took advantage of his piano skills then, mm. as I do now, yep. and I used to go over to his house and sing songs with him and... Um, when I moved to Sydney and we came up with this idea, I was like, I know just the wizard for this, who's going to be able to make some magic. And so, and that kind of is kind of when we stood in the room that we were at, um, AIM in Where the city. he was going to school then. He was going to school at AIM and he was like, oh, I have a rehearsal room. Like, yeah, I'm pretty interested. I work with kids on the weekend. So like, come along. Yeah, and we came in with a couple of poems and a couple of half-baked ideas. Um, and we basically read him a poem and he magicked it into a song. <laughs> That's the only way we can describe it. It's the only it way. Is, it is did, he, magic. did he ask you to leave the room for <laughs> five minutes? Yeah, yeah. Come back in five minutes. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, yeah. and that's how we started with the name The Jelly Beans because he sang It's Raining Jelly Beans and then I was like, this is the greatest song anyone has ever written ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we loved it. and so it takes him less than five minutes, by the way. It's, it's so that's great. probably why we've done so many albums. And he even sent us a message yesterday being like, well, I've got nine in the can. When are we doing our next album? I'm like, <laughs> Slow down, bro. We don't have time to market all of this. Yeah, he's pretty he's pretty amazing. Shout out to James. I know yeah. you're listening. Mm. <laughs> the writing process has changed now that we've gotten to know James better and uh, the way that he likes to work and he's gotten to know us and how we like to work. So we kind of start the same way Michael described before about just an onslaught of ideas and then we pick out the ones that are special to us and then we split up. We split them up between each other and go away and write little poems. Mm. So, the, did the, sorry, did the, <clears throat> so did the lyrics actually come from you? Yeah, yeah. we wrote yeah, the yeah. lyrics. They're, they're awesome. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about some of my favourites. Um, they, they're great, but... Um, uh, what's the opera move? Worse than a baby crying, worse than a broken, broken violin. Broken violin. <laughs> violin. Yeah, yeah. violin. That rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we come in with these lyrics and, yeah, like James does, like there is polishing involved because once you introduce music. Um, but then there's also moments where he goes, that's not how you pronounce violin. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 It's it's a is. lot of that. He does yeah. that a lot. It's, yeah. it's violin. Yeah, yeah. All right. yeah. And, and runs crying. That's why James works so well with us because we are very – 
like that's hilarious put it in no matter what and he's very he's very literal and very logical yeah and he's very good at being like okay that's great it's really funny doesn't make any sense (laughs) yeah and he's very good at roping it roping it all in for us and Mm. making it a more concise idea for sure so so it is face to face you 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 have sessions and it's always the four of us in a room all together we'll never write without the four of us we do our best we've learned very quickly that. and sometimes we do write the lyrics and the song all together at once and i Mm. feel like those are always our best songs and the most fun songs yeah and so he he, will read them out and um he'll put a, a bit of a tune together at the piano and then he'll kind of go away and polish it off. Mm. And that, there'll be a time at the piano where we'll be like, oh, that sounds great, but can that can that run go down instead of mm. up and can mm. that mm. slow down and can this be in a minor key and can it's that... A be- and- it's a beautiful luxury to have to oh, be able to, incredible. you know, do that with four people in a room. I mean, a lot of people you, don't have that. I can't stress enough how I mean, it sounds like you've, 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 you've <laughs> yes. forced he's, it to happen, but I mean... Yeah. He's, he's a true music wizard. Mm. Yeah. New shoes, new bag, new hat, new friends, new school What's there, what time, what where Time to learn the new school song Can I bring my teddy along? Is he, does he then do the sound effects or are you doing that yourself? No, that's Michael. So Michael, again, talking about our trio of weird skills, um, is a really talented sound engineer as well and he does all our editing. And photographer and videographer, so, yeah. you know, <laughs> get on it. Yeah, so he does all our editing as well. Um, so all of the sound effects outside of the songs is all Michael. We'll do it together. We'll do it together. Talk about geniuses and wizards and all your individual skills. Who came up with the Bowling Stones and I can't believe it's not gutter? <laughs> that was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Scrazy. That was Mimbini. Um, <laughs> so the one, the one aspect of the first season, just to look at the, the way it's grown over the three albums, one aspect of the first season is this musical style. It's got this really great 70s kind of... British talk show kind of comedy thing, like <laughs> yeah. Professor Know-It-All's intro and the Beanie's intro. Yeah. And it's in there through the songs and, and I'm guessing that's James being a piano player, but then it's kind of, it's petered off. But um, what I love about it is in the new episodes of music, I think I feel the music's become fuller. Mm. But then you have these pieces that have been there through the whole thing, like Dr. Uh, Professor Know-It-All's intro. And, the, and I keep just having these images of, like, old British people on buses and coming yeah. out yeah. smiling and... Well, that's because that's cause we're just getting better technically at all of this, and, like, mm. James included in terms of getting all the instruments together and the, the software and the programs. It's just getting better and he can make it sound better. And... Um, yeah, I think that's just growing in mm, terms of our mm. skills. Yeah, totally. I and mean, I think also, I mean, also uh, the, the the first album, I, I got the sense, and it, you sort of answered this before, which kind of contradicts everything I'm about to say, but <laughs> I kind of got, when I heard the first, the stuff from the first album, I, I wanted to hear the podcast because I felt I'd understand the songs better. Then when I got to Big Day Out, having gone through them, I listened to the music and felt I wanted to listen to the podcast because I liked the song. I wanted to know what the song was about. It just felt everything stood on its own a bit better, whereas in the first album 
Mm. It was part of a bigger theme, whereas mm. now it's like, well, here's a great song. Season three was the first season that we played the songs in their entirety in the podcast, not broken up. So in yeah. season one and season two, we broke them up within the stories and they we really made sure the stories played into the songs really perfectly yeah. and because mm. it was kind of like a part portion of story. Right, so they couldn't exist on their own because they'd been so manipulated really to fit within to the, the thing. story. Yeah. yeah, whereas season three, um, some of the feedback from Kindling was that kids, particularly kind of under four or five, they were having trouble staying interested when it was broken up. Yeah. So we had the story in its entirety, an imagination section, the song in its entirety, and the lesson or mm. something of that just order. To keep it, just to keep it clearer, really. Yeah. Face to face, but can I get a milkshake on Mars? Can I get a milkshake on Mars? I always thought somehow I can get a milkshake. Always thought after all it's called the Milky Way. Jupiter looks like I could get a cheesecake. Saturn's rings I thought looked like sherbet anyway. But can I get a Can I get a milkshake on Mars? (laughs) Which is who wrote that? Is that you? Yeah, that's so that was one of the songs that was all Michael that the music was that didn't write. Well, what's really beautiful about that song is to me in that first album, that's the song that it gave me a little bit of a hint of what was going to happen next because my assumption was they were going to move on and get and, and become different as you guys progressed through it and that was the first time I went all right I think there's going to be something else that's going to be coming and then we got to the next album and you get this larger step into those album tracks um there's fewer revisits to the older theme such as bubbles and new school and my shoes but that gap is getting wider because now you've got things like Christmas rumba happening and you've got Saturday morning cuddles which incidentally is um really a beautiful song but then you get to the big day out and you now have this whole thing of independent tracks standing on their own. And it's almost like you've really left that that sort of theatre vibe. Mm. Is this is this a real conscious thing, which it sounds like it was with the with the kindling advice? And also has playing live and being out there and putting these shows on a stage changed the way you see the things you're writing? Because the podcast songs, if we're looking at the first album, you can't just walk on and sing that. You've kind of got to give it a preface and give it, whereas the last album, you can go, hey, let's do that song. Mm. Ironically, I think we've performed more of the songs from season one and two than we have from season three so far. Um, I think... I mean, we love singing Opera Moo live <laughs> because it is so theatrical Ooh. and it tells a story. And you can see when we do kind of concert style shows, which we've done a, a lot of now, that things like Opera Moo people or kids really stop and watch it as if it's a show rather than like dancing along and singing along and, and okay. things like that. They'll stop and watch like mm. it's a like it's a musical. Um, yeah, and we put on different hats and really perform that one as characters. Rather than everybody get up and copy us doing this. Mm, definitely. Um, I forgot the question. I think we've, we've also realised... <laughs> sorry, that, was that a question? <laughs> <laughs> we've also realised that, I mean, again, we are like theatre people, so we just have that hardwiring. But also we've realised that there's some songs that just work better live and we've got plenty of good songs, 
but playing to children live sometimes it doesn't have quite the energy or or mm. something in particular that we're looking for you know because we, we want the kids to um, have fun and interact and mm. see a story and things like that and that's a really good point isn't it because I, I also find my shows have just broken down to my two chord songs now because they're the ones they're the ones that get the the, the or, like that's the ones the kids get mm. into because mm. they're the ones I can stop and start and I can mm. get them involved and I can do that mm. and I guess yeah and I guess it's the same thing for you there is a point where you go well that is a good song but it's a good just song. Sort of but sitting it, there looking at us and mm, nodding. Yeah, mm. yeah, and that that's a kind of that's a kind of thing. I mean, that hasn't really affected a, a, us in terms of when we start writing songs, but definitely with our live show and definitely thinking about actors yeah. being being actors in theatre, it was like, oh, we we want them to come on the journey with us, and we'd rather it be a bit, you know, energetic, energetic, and and interactive and fun and lots of energy. So yeah. Mm. And I think, I guess, where we have a luxury of not all of our songs have to be performed live for us to not make use of them, but for them to be successful for us, we can put them in the podcast mm. and and they're well listened to and well enjoyed, but they don't have to be performed live all the time. There's been times where we've really loved songs and we they just don't work live and we've just kind of had to put the love of that song aside and, and cut it, you know. Mm. Opera Moo got cut for our fringe show. Um, just because we couldn't make it work even though we love performing it. And so there's times where you just have to put the love of the song that you write aside. But I guess also too, your, the podcast has been your success. Totally. So even though it's not in the live show, you know it's got an incredible life. Mm. Exactly. And that's, that's pretty You're just not getting to see the reaction from exactly. it. Exactly. You know, live, you want to see the reaction. Totally. And being theatre people and from a theatre background, all of us is that we do thrive on that live interaction, um, but we have to kind of appreciate that there is, it's being well enjoyed. That's why we love getting videos from kids so much. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, that sounds really interesting. But tell me about Saturday morning cuddles. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> one of my favorite songs i think did i write that song yeah yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. i forget uh, it's so yeah. good it's, it's really it's probably our best song i think without yeah. question we get that's the one we get the most mail Him and for michael is it your yeah. favorite song as well <laughs> yeah. did you write it betty did you write it or no did we write Nim so write much it? together oh my god the french love that song yeah, yeah. We're a pretty Our big international fans yeah, yeah. love it. We're, we're, we're a pretty big deal in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> I mainly love that song because of the um, instrumentation that James has put in there. The, the flute. Yeah. What is it with the flute? Does the he flute. play flute? He, yes, yeah. he plays all of that flute. Okay, so he actually like literally plays. Yes, the he flute. literally okay. plays it. Good. Yeah, because I was just I was just going. I was by by the third album. I was going. He must. Play it, yeah. He because does. the only reason you'd have so much flute is when you go. All my instruments are fake. I need a real one. Yeah. In there. I play yeah. the flute. I'm you gonna should. Play it's, flute. It's also his, his room. I think it's his. 
main, if you could say James has a main instrument, it is. but it's his main instrument yeah. amongst the 50 others that he can mm-hmm. play. If you go into his recording space, the walls are covered in instruments. Like they're covered in guitars, there's stands. Little ukuleles, triangles. Everything. This, shows, this has become the James show, which yeah. right, and rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I think that's mm. that one. Shy Shadow painting song. There's mm. so much flute in all of them, and every time it comes on, I'm like, yay, mm. more flute. But, but like Saturday morning cuddles is like it's just a very, it's pretty, very like pleasant idea of just. But it's also a <laughs> for me. It's also and and the, and this is the one thing, and this is no disrespect to James. But this is the thing about can I get milk, a milkshake on Mars and Saturday morning cuddles is it is it, it is a genuine step away from the the overall musical themes that go on. And then you do get to these moments and kind of go, oh, it's kind of a nice, just kind of brings you out of the pattern. And then, totally. Um, and that doesn't mean the pattern gets gets boring or less inventive it's just they are just such clear and that's why i had to ask because i was going that's not coming from him because i know that mm. someone else oh, is he, doing he that. wrote the music but we wrote the um the, the concept yeah yeah um the concept and the lyrics and everything mm. but i think those songs in each of our seasons have been important because i mean as you've probably gathered from sitting here for the last hour we are all very like blah 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 go 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 kind of people and our songs mm. definitely reflect that mm. a lot of the time because we're just so full of energy yeah. is that having those slow you quiet lullaby down. songs have been really important to include mm. in each of the seasons shy shadow where did you go you get so tall when the sun is low shy shadow you're always around walking along but lying down maybe my shadow with the themes of the songs and the podcast, obviously we've spoken about them being quite sporadic in their kind of um, relation to each other. How do you create a live, a thread through your live shows? How do you go, because I'm also assuming you, you, I mean, well, not assuming, I've seen you, play, it's all backing track, a lot mm-hmm. of your stuff. And so I'm guessing it's well thought out before you walk in. You don't walk in and go, oh, what about, you know, set list? Oh, what about God, these no. five? Oh, no, no, yeah, no, no, I know, no, no. Obviously very clearly structured and rehearsed. Um, how do you, how do you do, so for example, Extraordinary Day, how did you, how do you, you want to add to that, well, How do you thread ex- that? Ex- Extraordinary Day is quite different from mm. all the other shows that we've done because the other ones have been kind of more music recital. Mm. Concert style. Concert style. And you 20 know, minutes. You know, much yeah. shorter, so 20 minutes, concert style. So we will, for those ones, it's we have a bit of a, a guide of the energy that we yeah. want, you know, um, and a bit of patter in between. It's like, well, here's another song about this, you yeah, know. Yeah. And did that someone sort of say one oh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone's, no. Some, yeah, 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 you did. Whoa, looks like you want to hear the wombat song, you know. Um, so that's our music recital ones, and and with Extraordinary Day, that was our it's it's our first you know theatrical narrative story, you know. Mm. And the approach for that was just like writing a play, you know. We knew we wanted to include as many songs as we wanted, but we needed to have a, a solid story together. And um, that took, yeah, that took a, a while. <laughs> yeah, because did you, did you have a list of songs that you wanted in there? Or did you go, okay, well, that song fits, that fits, that fits, let's mould it? Mm. 
it, it was the second one. We kind of fit them in afterwards. But I think the how we started writing it was Michael said, what do we want a child who comes to see this show to get out of it? And we picked like three or four keywords, yeah. which was like fun, interactive, random <laughs> and surprises, yeah, I think yeah. it was. And then everything we did was based around those words. Yeah. And before before we, we got to that, I think we were just talking about how to start writing this show and a very simple concept. I, th- I kept on bringing up, um, I saw this clowning show oh, yeah. that I kept on bringing up. It was, I saw this clowning show and I absolutely loved it. It was one of my favourite shows mm. I've ever seen. And it was just about a bunch of clowns trying to get out of a circle. That's all they had to do. The, the stage was rotating, but it was still a circle and they just had to get out and it went for about 50 minutes and I loved every second. Mm. So I was like, look, we're doing a, mm. this is for children. So let's keep it that simple. Let's, mm. let's, let's start with a, a very simple challenge, like getting out of a circle and not being able to do that, you know? Mm. So I think we brainstormed a lot of things and we, we got the idea of looking after an egg for a day because I think a lot of children end up doing that in school. Absolutely. Yeah. And also eggs come with a lot of preconceived ideas that we wouldn't have to explain. Like children know if you drop an egg, it'll break. Yeah. Mm. Um, you have to keep an egg warm mm. and a special thing might happen to an egg if you can do that for a long yeah. time. Yeah. So we didn't have to explain those kinds of things. They were preconceived ideas that yeah. they already knew. It's genius. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Oh. But in, in saying that, that show took us like three months to write and for us being such fast working people. It's like what, four hours? It is, it is. It, that's what it felt like. Yeah. We, God, and we what a waste of time. <laughs> We rehearsed three three nights a week. Well, we wrote three nights a week and we threw out the show probably two or three times. Mm. And it was that was probably one yeah. of the hardest projects we've ever had, I think, as a group, is yeah. writing this show and making it concise in only 50 minutes. Mm. And, and with a looming deadline. Yeah. yeah. We, so, yeah we so had, had, you, had you sold the show before you had the show? Yes. <laughs> yes, we had. Yeah. We, had the, we had this lot of friends. It's usually how it works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it was like, uh, yeah, we, we had this development period and that's how we had those, those themes. Um, if you can boil it down to the most simplest things, then that's, that helps when we come up with ideas. We just need... What is it? Energy. What was Fun, it? Fun, randomness. Fun, randomness. Glitter was probably in there. Um, <laughs> interaction. An interaction. We just like every single idea has to connect to these features, you know. An amazing machine, an amazing machine. I'll make the most amazing machine. What'll it do? Make things easy for you. Also, it is totally new. So listen up good while I tell you. Presenting the umbrella shoe. How do you feed off an audience? Because you're obviously very scripted and you've, and particularly if you're doing playback, how do you, I mean, again, from my perspective, I'm a dude with a guitar and two chords. I mean, I can just yeah. stop and <laughs> jump off the stage and go, what did you just say to me? And then spend <laughs> half an hour talking to that kid about yeah. a tiger. Nice. I have that luxury. You <laughs> don't have that luxury. How do you particularly yeah, we something can't like out specific parts? Like even in our concert, when Professor Know It All comes to see us in the concert, that's all timed, and we mm. know how long those silences go for, and we have to get our lines out in those silences. So Professor Know It All will answer us as, as 
part of a conversation. But doing the Fringe show, we were definitely able to have a lot more interaction. Mm, mm. And we had a lot of it in the popcorn (laughs) section of the show. Which this is the, the our friend show turned into popcorn featuring the beanies yeah. <laughs> because we had this stunt where Michael came in with this giant like sleeping bags worth of popcorn, kindly sponsored by Dandy yeah. Newtown. Thank you, Dandy Newtown. <laughs> Thank you, Dandy Newtown. Um, and had this skit of kind of tripping and spilling it all over the audience, which and all, was hilarious. It was so funny. It was so funny. Um, but obviously you only have a finite amount of free popcorn and you also only have a finite mm. amount of places that you can spill that much popcorn. Mm. So we only had one rehearsal where we actually spilt it before we spilt it on oh. the kids. And so for three months, he's just standing there going, pretending yeah, yeah. to spill this popcorn. <laughs> but when there's actually I kid- actually did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, Michael, look at all the popcorn. Oh, that's so why you get the job of pretending to be Michael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> day that he actually spilt it on the children the way the the theater was structured the the way it came out of the bag it ended up just being this one mountain of popcorn on this one child this this is why previews matter (laughs) this is why previews matter and dress rehearsals matter. the next 40 minutes these kids were just munching down on this week old popcorn not only just munching down on it but Scooping it up, coming onto stage to feed Michael popcorn while he's still singing and to, dancing and doing which is the very show. Sweet. To, to answer your previous questions, to go back to that previous question as well, I, I like I, I I come from a lot of like improv background as well. So it's like these I when you get offers like that, I just am compelled to go with yeah. I instinctively go. So if a kid comes on to give me popcorn, I'm going to take it and say thank you. <laughs> yeah, but that encourages other children which to is, do the same. Yeah. Which is really funny. Anyway. <laughs> it was, but in, in Laura and my head, we're both just screaming internally. Yeah. So but the it, second one went much, went much better. The uh, ground zero popcorn was spread around a lot more. Yeah, we just spilt it on the adults. But I guess in our live shows, we've always had the idea of having the sections that are very heavily scripted, like in the concert show, we have that professor know-it-all part where we know there's 13 and a half seconds between this line and this line and we Mm. have to say these things. But then there's other parts where we can ask for their suggestions and we have that time Mm. where we know, you know, Mm. this section can be interactive and we're going to encourage them. Because the show's yours. No one's... There's not a band... Yeah. It's just and, and I think we, we firmly believe in checking in with the audience totally. as much yeah. as possible. Like you got to check in and make sure they're still with us. And I think you've got to, there's this, and I've used this in, I think every single interview I do, but there's this couple um, called Gary and Carol Crees that have made a living of um, basically going around childcare centres and doing musical workshops with teachers and kids and and they 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 are extraordinary and unfortunately their their skill set was only ever sort of narrowed down to the childcare centers but um they've retired now but I did an interview with them and um Carol were talking about the shows and she just said kids just want to be invited they just mm. want to be invited mm. to be a part of it, and it was kind of a, such a simple comment. But I've just ever ever since just gone. It's, it's. I think it's one of the fundamental things we forget when entertaining children is it is egocentric, and they are the only one in the room. Mm. And if you don't invite them in, you you are 
excluding them. Yeah. You're yeah. not and making them a part of it. And when we first started, I remember watching a lot, because it's all up on YouTube, um, uh, Mr. Rogers, as um, mm. Mr. Rogers' Neighbourhood, and mm. that's kind of like it's he starts off with the inter- you know the in- mm. invitation would you would you like to come along and i don't know he he for me was a really good compass because um he was he did study it and he was very educated in in the psychology mm. of children and entertainment and i watched just heaps of him and how he did things and i mean we're kind of different and we have lots of energy but Yes, he had, a, of, he had a brown cardigan and a yeah. chair. <laughs> but he, he had a very different but lots pace. Lots of friends. But yeah. But, but he, you know, he was, a lot of it was about, you know, being very respectful and invitation and checking mm. in and, you know, asking those questions like, you know, I'm going to eat an orange. Do you like eating oranges? Mm. And it's just kind of like a, the kid would be sitting there by themselves uh, in the living room watching the TV and they'll go, uh-huh. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't like eating oranges. <laughs> we're we're more know. like that. We're more like that. We're more like, sure, how about you love oranges? How <laughs> <laughs> about you love oranges? Yeah, let's throw oranges at you. How many can you catch? <laughs> Scream if you like an orange. <laughs> so we, but yeah, I just I just remember that then. The invitation is is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... It's as calculated and as measured and as precise and as uh, thoughtful as I imagined (laughs) the whole beanies would be, which means the next six months to a year to five years must be as equally measured (laughs) and calculated and thoughtful. So what is or what can you talk about? That's coming up in the next six to twelve months to twenty-four months. There's a lot of ideas floating around. Mm. Um, there is a lot of there is a lot of thought thought ahead and planning for the beanies, but also we're very open to whatever comes our way and kind of rolling with what's what's happening. But I've I'm a very organized person in planning things out and like very goals oriented. Mim person. really likes to write five year plans. Yeah. She it's loves like it. my favorite thing to do is to write a five year plan. And How then, often and do you do them? Like do you do them every plan. like six months or do you have to wait five years? Oh I do them every couple of weeks. <laughs> I do them all Not only that, the time. She makes our new friends do it too. Yeah, I she, do. Yeah. yeah. I do. That's how I make friends. Do you need a five-year plan, Benny? No. I feel like no. one of my challenges is to resist the five-year plan. <laughs> That's in your five-year plan. In the next five years, I refuse to write a plan. <laughs> I know it'll help, but like... <laughs> there but is one. You're just not... You're in it. You're in it. You just don't know yeah, about it. Yeah, you don't need one, mate. It's no. a, there's already one for you. Michael gets on the train and... They've spoken to your mum. It's fine. There's yeah, a five-year plan. Like my old messages to Michael, like I was, I was sending him a Facebook message and somehow it scrolled all the way back to the start and it said, hey, do you play guitar? And then Michael says, yes. And I was like, prepare for a, a proposition. And then it's just this like and then just pages and pages of information. And Michael's like, yeah, right. <laughs> Okay. That's a, that's a good, perfect <laughs> idea of what it was going to be like for the next three years. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so there is a plan. There is. I'd really like to see us to an extraordinary day mm-hmm. in theatres. I'd really like to see that. I'd really like to see us do live podcast shows where we have children interacting and singing call and responses and having, yeah. like it'd have to be quite scripted still, but 
a bit more improv live mm-hmm. shows with James there as well, the Music Wizard. Mm. I'd really like yeah. to see us do that. I'd really like to turn our podcast into some books is my kind of that, – that's my mm. little pipe dream of our creations is to have yeah. it as this totally – you can experience the story in lots yep. of different ways. Mm, um, that would be lovely. Yeah. And I think we just like the three of us love this project so much that we just want to keep doing it really. Yeah. Mm. We just have so much passion for Do it. Do you have any pipe dream goals, Michael? What's in your five-year plan, Michael? Five-year plan? Um, what is it, Mim? <laughs> <laughs> I've got it here, mate. I've got it <laughs> Mim emailed it, it previous to this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something about getting a new car. Is your car not <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's on the fritz, actually. Um, well, I, you've got to get one by January. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, we, we've been talking a lot about expand, like what to do next. And when we started, it was a lot about doing music and podcasts and being an alternative for kids and getting off screens. And a lot of it's about us deciding, okay, so if we do decide to do something that's video-based or visually-based, how do we still make it as imaginative as we want it to be mm-hmm. or in, or interactive or, or just excite the imagination as we want it to, you know? Um, and I think I'm excited to explore that and, and see how we can if we wanted to make start making videos or something like that, how do we make it as imagination mm. um, exploding mm. as we want it to be, you know? So you do have a five-year plan. I do. Here you go. <laughs> Shocker. Starts with B. <laughs> One of us. <laughs> well, look, on behalf of um, Kids of Australia... And apparently the kids of France. And <laughs> the, the one kids, kid in France. The, the kids one of kid. the United States Romero of America. Um, Newcastle. <laughs> and cool. um, we all thank you deeply for having a three-year plan three years ago, which has led you to here and led us to here to hear your stuff um so yeah thank you very much for joining me today and chatting to me about what you do in a little bit more in depth thanks benny if you'd like to know more about the beanies then head along to their website at www.thebeaniesoz.com that's t-h-e-b-e-a-n-i-e-s-a-u-s.com and of course for more parent time goodness go to www.bennytime.com thanks for listening to me benny ask people questions Thank you.